Welcome back to Round Guy, the podcast, as we get the first episode of Iowa Heartlanders Hockey Weekly. We're on the phone with David Fine and Steve, the Round Guy Pilchin, as we uh, talk about this exciting minor league hockey team of the Minnesota Wild. Welcome to the show, David. Excited to be here for uh, for part two and getting set here for our first uh, maiden voyage here on Iowa Heartlanders uh, Iowa Heartlanders Weekly. Thanks, guys. Hey, we're tickled to have you, David. Uh, we are in the middle of uh, the country, Iowa. Uh, a little bit of heaven right here on earth, as we like to say. Uh, I'd like to start, though, by getting our listeners to know a little bit more about you. David Fine, voice of the Iowa Heartlanders. Uh, tell us everything about you. Start at the beginning. <laughs> uh, I don't want to share how uh, how heavy I was when I was born because uh, it was it was too heavy. And God bless my mother uh, for for bringing me onto this earth for better or for worse. No, um, I grew up um, about on the East Coast there, about ten miles or so from New York City. Um, but have lived in the Midwest a number of times uh, since graduating college. Um, grew up wanting to be a sports broadcaster, not necessarily like sitting in front of the TV. A lot of a lot of people say, "Oh, I'd sit in front of the TV and play video games and you know pretend to." I never really did that. I, it didn't grow on me until I was a little bit older. Um, I knew I wanted to to do something with writing or with you know some form of media and broadcasting. Um, didn't really know how or where to start, kind of just fell into it once I went into college, started going and, and trying to talk to people that were um, about to graduate there in, in, uh, in, at Syracuse uh, University there in central New York and ended up from there kind of realizing, hey, you know, you're going to need to get out of your comfort zone and go some different places um, if you want to kind of start in this industry. So um, I guess it was about almost you know, seven years ago at this point, moved out to Lansing, Michigan, started doing minor league baseball in Lansing, Michigan to the Lansing Lugnuts. They're now in high A, the Midwest League, single A, traveled all around the Midwest for a summer doing baseball with them and ended up moving to Nebraska, was there for a few years doing hockey for a team called the Tri-City Storm in the USHL. Um, they play uh, with a bunch of players that are between the ages of 16 to 20, looking to earn college scholarships before moving on to the NCAA level. And then the natural progression took me into pro hockey, lived a few years in Pennsylvania doing ho uh, hockey broadcasting in the ECHL, which is double-A hockey, the league the Iowa Heartlanders are in, that I currently broadcast for. And then a pandemic changed a lot of things, including my perspective on life in a couple different ways. Um, sat, at, sat at home in my apartment for, for a long time, got a chance to spend a lot of time with family, and then um, when this opportunity came calling in a brand new arena, a city that's never had pro hockey before and a chance to, to grow a, 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 an organization within a community, it was, it was such a special opportunity. And I'm really grateful for it. Lived here in, in Coralville in Iowa City for about the last uh, seven, eight months, eight months at this point. Moved out here in April of last year, uh, late, uh, late April, early May. And can't be more grateful for having the opportunity to, to do what I do. It's just, people here are wonderful. I, I loved it when I was in Nebraska. I love the people, Michigan and Nebraska, and I love the people of Iowa. It's just such a great area of the country to live in, and I'm, I'm grateful to, uh, to be back in the heartland. Oh, David, fine. Uh, uh, a moment ago, you mentioned where you went to college, and I, and I 
kind of skipped over. I, it didn't come out. Where, where was it? I went to college. I went, I, yeah, I went to school at uh, Syracuse University in uh, Syracuse, New York. Oh, all right. A fine institution. I, <laughs> I grew up, uh, David, I grew up in central New York. And I, th I thought about uh, going to Syracuse, but they had something at the time called an entrance exam. And I did not make it. What was your major there? I did uh, political science and broadcast journalism was what I uh, what I majored in at Syracuse. Okay, so did you intern there for the university at all? No, not for the university. Actually, how I got into into hockey was my first few weeks there. There's a, a minor league team there as well. They're in the, they're in the AHL, so Triple A. Uh, hockey, a level above where we're at, but it was my freshman year there, and they had an internship there, and I walked down to the internship there as an 18-year-old that didn't know anything about anything, and I saw that the, and I liked hockey growing up, I was a big New Jersey Devils fan, and I saw that the um, Syracuse Crunch, who were affiliated with the Anaheim Ducks of the NHL at the time, that they were looking for a time-on-ice intern someone that could keep track of how long their prospects were on the ice in every game. And there was a guy who I still keep in contact with, you know, almost a decade later, uh, his name's Jeff Monahan, And he had developed on his computer an Excel file that somehow, and I still don't know how he created this. I, I would not understand anyway, but a, a spreadsheet Excel document where if you inputted the players' names and numbers and you clicked on them, it would actually start a running clock for each of them. And then at the end of the period, it would you could stop the you know say end of period any time you wanted, whether you know when it was, and you could print out the spreadsheet and it would say exactly at how long every player played in that period. And so that's how I got going. We were a two-man tag team for about three quarters, uh, the three quarters of the season. Um, and then they started to get me involved in some more of the, the uh, broadcast and media stuff. But that's how I started for about, you know, three quarters of the season was doing time on ice for the AHL affiliate, the Anaheim Ducks. And then from there was able to get more opportunities with the club to do, you know, media stuff and start to learn what it's like to work in a minor league uh, front office, whether it's hockey, baseball. I started getting a few more internships uh, throughout college, did a few Syracuse basketball and lacrosse and football games. Um, you'll notice the order I put them in there because contrary to what a lot of people think about a university, I just said the order of importance for sports and uh, 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 in Syracuse, which is first basketball, second lacrosse, three football, because the football program has not been worth anything for since Donovan McNabb was the quarterback. So that's uh, kind of just started to, to rack up opportunities and then uh, moved uh, moved to the Midwest and moved to Lansing, Michigan um, when I graduated from there and started to, to do it for real and for a paycheck. With the Lansing Lugnuts. Yep. Right? Lansing Lugnuts. Yeah, they're minor league baseball, aren't they? Yep. Single A, Midwest League. They're now high A of the uh, Oakland Athletics. They, uh, with minor league baseball doing all the switching up last year, I know a few teams here in Iowa uh, lost um, their teams, which is unfortunate because I remember going to Burlington and going to Clinton and loving being at each. 
even though they were a little bit of older facilities. So that was the league that we were in with against the Clinton Lumber Kings and the Burlington Bees and the Fort Wayne Tin Caps and um, what was it, the uh, King County Cougars and a few other teams there uh, and Michigan, West Michigan Whitecaps and the Great Lakes Loons. There we go. I gave the Michigan triumvirate of teams there. Well, my friend Dave Johnson is the biggest Burlington Bee fan in the country. Isn't that right, David? Yeah, I'm a very big fan of the 200-plus players they put into the major leagues. But, David, back to you, uh, since this is all about you. I, I want you to tell me, of all your time in Syracuse, how many times have you eaten at the restaurant We've come to know and love as the dinosaur. Oh, dinosaur barbecue. Probably, see, it was tough because I, I'm a pretty, I'll give you my answer, probably like 20 times uh, in four years. But you would want to go as many times as you could because the food at dinosaur barbecue is just so, so amazing. However, right. the issue is, is that I'm, I'm a pretty media people kind of hockey people or tend to be. You know, the te we leave 10 minutes earlier than we should type of folks um, uh -huh. to make sure you're there on time. But when you're in college, you're dealing with, with people that are sipping a Bud Light in between, you know, classes sometimes. So the, the the group that I would try to go with and sort of my friend group in college, they're a little bit more relaxed than I was. <laughs> and so I'd be like, let's go. Come on. It's going to get crowded. It's going to get crowded. And by the time they eventually, uh, eventually, you know, make it to the car. It would, there was already going to be an hour and a half wait there since, as you know, on if you know any time, you're going to be waiting for at least probably 30 minutes, um, which right. is fine. But yeah. an, hour and a, an, an hour and a half in the Syracuse winter, sometimes having to wait outside, is a uh, that's a non-starter for many people. So then you'd have to go to other places like, oh man, Tully's, uh, if you remember Tully's and Possibilities, it's a, I think a little bit newer, but been there for a couple decades now. Yeah. Um, so there's there's some good food up there. I, I, I've only eaten there a couple of times when I was back because I grew up around there. I think I mentioned that, but uh, many a time. Uh, Cheryl, Cheryl, New York. Yeah, I know Cheryl. Yeah, right there next to Oneida. Yep. And about a uh, about an eight iron to Syracuse. I grew up watching the Syracuse Chiefs. At the time, they were affiliated with the Yankees, which. You know, now that we know you were from 10 miles outside of New York City, this is a very important question, David. Uh, I urge you to think before you respond. Are uh, you yes, Mets? I grew up a Yankees fan. You Mets or Yankees? <laughs> the answer is yes, I grew up a Yankees fan. And a boy. Uh, we can, now we can continue the interview. Yeah. The, the, see, the thing is, is that I'm a Yankees fan. I will not ever root for another baseball team. But – it's just so hard to watch a three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour game on TV, and it, I wish the pace was a little bit quicker. And that's one of the reasons I really like working in hockey is if the game's two-and-a-half hours, that's a long game. Two hours and 20 minutes is about the average. Um, so I wish that baseball would figure out a way to get, it, to, get the, to get the game time down a little bit, but that just might be my short attention span at the same time. Well, you know, they've, they've considered – uh, timing the pitcher in between pitches. Uh, they've come up with a couple of other things, but, you know, you almost, you really almost can't 
can't control it, really. Can you? I don't think you can. I think that's what George Carlin said. There's no time, if you remember. There's no time in baseball where his football is rigidly tied. You know, whenever when he did that skit 30, 40 years ago, George Carlin. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's you know, there's no time. We can take all the time we want. So that's one of the the charms, but also in the social media lack of attention span age, it also kind of hurts. So I, sure. I I wish that there was some middle ground that they could find. Well, we'll talk all about that at some future podcast. Right now, we're talking hockey, I guess. Hey, uh, uh, we've already gone almost 15 minutes just on talking to David Fine. Why don't we uh, cut this off for an interview, and then we'll uh, start with the hockey team so we can give it the full amount of time that we should. For sure. I'm happy to do that. You're the boss, Dave. All right. I got to run the damn clock over here. So, all right, we've been talking to David Fine, and then uh, – once he mentioned Syracuse, I knew we were going off the rails because uh, that's one of Steve's favorite things to talk about. Uh, so anyway, we'll uh, we'll cut this episode off and we'll start Iowa Heartlanders Weekly. All right, thanks for listening. Sounds great. Welcome back to Round Guy the Podcast as we are talking with a very exciting guest, David Fine, the voice of the Iowa Heartlanders hockey team, a affiliate with the Minnesota Wild, who just had a fantastic weekend in, uh, was it Rapid City, North Dakota? Yeah, there in Rapid City. Uh, yeah, right near Mount Rushmore is where the team was playing. It was a great weekend for the Iowa Heartlanders. A couple wins. So, uh, anyway, uh, David Fine, the voice of the Heartlanders, uh, tell us about the hockey team, and it's in Coralville, Iowa. It plays at the Extreme Arena. Uh, yes. Yes, in the brand-new 5,000-seat Extreme Arena. Affiliates, double-A affiliates of the Minnesota Wild. Players start here within the Minnesota Wild system, and just like minor league baseball, move up. So the players that start here, it's their entrance into the Minnesota Wild organization. They play for the double-A Heartlanders. From us, they progress up to the triple-A Iowa Wild, which play in Des Moines there at Wells Fargo Arena. And then their goal from there is to make the National Hockey League from AAA Iowa, AA Iowa Heartlanders, AAA Iowa Wild, and then north there on I-35 up to Minneapolis, St. Paul, and playing in St. Paul for the uh, for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, the team itself is is starting to really come around. Um, halfway through the team's first year, it's the youngest team in the league. The team, therefore, that has the uh, fewest number of games entering in professional experience. And yet here in the last 10 games or so, the club has started to, to, to turn the corner. Um, it's only three games out of a playoff spot at the halfway mark, which is pretty good considering that the club has, um, you know, the youngest roster in the league. And there's been a bunch of exciting games this year. And the, the, there's kind of been a scrappy mentality, which I think people in the heartland can appreciate the kind of, you know, resilient you need to work. To, in order to achieve, nothing's given to you, resilient attitude, and the rookies on this club are starting to figure it out, just like how you might hear in college basketball, Nick Vitale would always say, say they're, not, you know, they're not playing like freshmen anymore, you know, they're play, it's a freshman playing like a junior, it's the same thing here, where now that you're at the halfway mark, guys have started to figure out how to uh, succeed and mold into professional hockey as rookies, and are now starting to succeed. David, uh, round guy here. Uh, the uh, the fact that that uh, the Iowa Wild are 
pretty much the AAA affiliate of the Minnesota Wild. Uh, that's not a coincidence, right? Is there was that designed because uh, if a player in Des Moines gets injured, then then somebody uh, on your team can be called up and literally uh, be there in less than an hour, right? Yeah, about yeah, an hour and a half or so. You're right. That's why the affiliation is the way it is, and so like with the Iowa Wild driving, three, you can drive three and a half hours up. Uh, from Des Moines to St. Paul. And you're right that if a player with the Iowa Wild was hurt, or I'll do it one better. If a player with the Minnesota Wild got a little banged up, had to miss some time, they would probably call a player up from the Iowa Wild. And then the Iowa Wild would give us a call and say, hey, we need to recall a player from your roster. And so there would be one of our players driving west on Interstate 80, at the same time, an Iowa Wild player was driving north on Interstate 35, and that's why the affiliation is what it is, and it creates such an ease of movement between the players that it, it, it really has made it a, a, a strong relationship and then also one where we are able to work with the Iowa Wild on the business front um, with you know shared sponsors that have branches in Des Moines and branches in Coralville, Iowa City, and Cedar Rapids to work together. So it's more than just the hockey. This is a, a, a state mission with the Iowa Wild and the Iowa Heartlanders to help grow the game of hockey here because it's really taken its roots in Des Moines over the last decade, decade and a half since the Iowa Wild came to town. And now with the Iowa Heartlanders, it's the same goal here in Cedar Rapids and Iowa City. So is there a team, is there a league below the Iowa Heartlanders that when you gave the example of, of uh, a Minnesota Wild guy getting hurt, a kid from uh, you know Des Moines, the Iowa Wild, they go up, and then a kid from the Iowa Heartlanders runs over to Des Moines. So is, does it trickle even further than that where somebody below the Iowa Heartlanders would come up and take that guy's place? It, it does, but it's different because this is the level. Like, so we're the affiliated hockey. There's Double A, Triple A, and the NHL. So there's no such thing necessarily as Single A, but there's a few leagues. One of them's called the Southern Professional League, and then there's another league called the Federal uh, Prospects League. Those are the leagues below the Heartlanders, but those are not affiliated. So when we, if we were to lose a player to the Iowa Wild or the Minnesota Wild um, through call-ups, um, from there we would have to get out the Rolodex of, uh, of teams uh, uh, in the Southern Professional Hockey League. Now, there is a team in Quad, Quad City in Moline that plays in that unaffiliated Southern Pro Hockey League called the Quad City Storm. But again, there's no affiliation there, so it, it's a different kind of uh, – it, it's, it's not as much of a – um, 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 working, there's no working relationship between the clubs as affiliates. Um, so it, it becomes a little bit more scattered, and therefore coaches have to break out the phones and work the phones, and general managers have to work the phones in order to get those players here as quickly as we can. Okay, well, let me uh, – the Des Moines Buccaneers, I'm sure you're familiar with them. I, I understand they're in the United States League. Yep, the USHL. Yes. And and uh, those are younger kids that have just uh, shown some promise and have been invited to uh, try it out to be a part of the Des Moines Buccaneers. 
Now, they have a following in Des Moines and have had for many years. Uh, it makes sense that uh, some of the people there with the Iowa Wild would catch some of their games and perhaps they see a kid or two that they think might have some promise. So let's say the injury list, as we described a moment ago, hits and could they approach a kid uh, from the Des Moines Buccaneers and sign him to a contract for a couple of days and allow that player to to uh, participate? They could, but the problem with that is that because those players have – they would lose their NCAA eligibility if that happened. If they okay. signed and one Buccaneers player signed since they're only 16 to 20 years old in that league, and they're, it's high school kids that are looking to earn college scholarships. So if they went from the USHL to the ECHL R League or to the Iowa Wild and the AHL, if they, can't, if they went back, they wouldn't be allowed to play. Um, right. They have to now continue their professional career because they had you have to be paid to play in our league. That's the separation between the USHL and then our level is that a lot of our players were in the USHL six years ago. They played in the USHL for two years. They played four years of college hockey is still in terms of amateur, you know, NCAA. And then they graduate from college. And just like it is in college football, you get paid. If you make the NFL, you're getting paid at that point. Um, you can't get you can't get paid by the university or your high school to play high school football or NCAA football. Uh, you can't get paid by the institution. However, with us, we have professional athletes, a lot of whom that would have come from a team like the Des Moines Buccaneers or the Cedar Rapids Rough Riders or the Waterloo Blackhawks or Dubuque, and now they're in the professional ranks. That's what separates the level of play here: is that these players are six, five, six years more mature and skilled from when they played in the USHL with a team like Des Moines or Waterloo or Dubuque. Right. I see. I, I, I guess I kind of uh, uh, overlooked that. But with the Des Moines Buccaneers have have turned out several uh, big-name players in the NHL. Probably yeah, Kyle Poso uh, yeah, is the best yeah. example. I love Scott Clemenson, too, as an example. And the reason I love Scott Clemenson is that he's a former um, NHLer that I saw play growing up for the New Jersey Devils, and he's involved in the ownership group there with the Des Moines Buccaneers. And now right. he's, a, I think, a goaltending goal coach for the um, – and he's an Iowa native. Uh, and he, you know, played for uh, – played many years in the NHL and is now with the New Jersey Devils. I think he's like a goaltending coach as a, as, a, as a scout. I forget his exact title. Um, but for I'll give you another example of uh, former uh, players to play in the USHL and in the state of Iowa. So we have a player on our team named Reese Zmolek. He's a defenseman. He's our alternate captain. He's from the state of Minnesota. He grew up playing for the Cedar Rapids Rough Riders. I saw him play when I was in the USHL as a 22-year-old kid who didn't know anything, starting in, in hockey. Um, he was one of the better defenders on the Cedar Rapids Rough Riders, and he was their captain. And I saw him play for two years. And I go away for four years. He goes away to college for four years. I'm working in Pennsylvania for three, four years. I come back here, and over the summer, they're like, well, we're starting to put together our roster. We, uh, we'll probably have Reese Smolek here. I said, really? That's crazy. And so that's an example. I saw him play as a 17, 18-year-old 
um, back five, six years ago, as he preserved his NCAA eligibility, playing against the Des Moines Buccaneers for Cedar Rapids. And now he's one of the best players and best defensemen in this league as a 25-year-old for us. Wow. Do you uh, help me out here? There was a kid here in Des Moines. That they've changed affiliation several times, but it, it seems like they've really connected with the Minnesota Wild, and they've been the Iowa Wild for probably longer than they have any of the other affiliates. But he was That's with right. the Anaheim Ducks, uh, but he played here at the uh, with the Iowa Ducks, and, and uh, now I think he's with Buffalo Ryan. I can't think of his last name. Uh, um, I'm trying to trying to think because there was the Iowa Chops and the Iowa Stars were out there in Des Moines as well. Might have been um, the Iowa Chops he was with. Maybe, but um, but he had a unique story, uh, which is going to be futile because I can't think of his last name. Ryan, I met him. We had him in our radio uh, program, but he was. He was in the uh, witness relocation program. Does that help ring, ring a bell with who this is? No, it doesn't. It doesn't ring a bell, unfortunately. Um, uh, but his name might not be Ryan anymore. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I well, it, it's his last name. It, it was his oh, last Ryan. name. And Ryan. Ryan. Um, yeah, I'd know it if I heard Bobby, it. I, Bobby Ryan. Bobby Ryan. That's it. Yes. Move to the head of the class, David. You're good. Bobby Ryan. Uh, And and his family, and he wasn't, I I thought, if you're in the witness relocation program, you probably ought to keep your mouth shut about it. But he was very candid about it. And I I couldn't ever understand that, but he was the nicest kid. Uh, I got to know him a little bit and, and, uh, in fact, went to visit uh, some friends I have in Buffalo, and uh, uh, we went and saw him play. I, I, he got me some tickets, and we hung out a little bit after the game. He's a wonderful kid, and I, I kind of lost track of him. Is he still in the NHL? He was. I'm trying to trying to think off the top of my head because he had had an interesting story and was very uh, candid in the last few years. There's a there's a really good article, probably three four years ago, about this. It's called the Secret Life of Bobby Ryan. And he was a 30-goal scorer in the NHL, but he battled substance abuse, I believe alcohol abuse as well, uh, for a number of years. And yet, he's, he, he, well, he isn't playing this year. He played last year for the Detroit Red Wings as a 33-year-old. Now he's 34, and he might still maybe have another go in him at some point. But as of um, uh, last year being his last year, um, as of right now, now he won the NHL Sportsmanship Award for the um, called the Bill Masterson Trophy for his story of coming back and um, um, from from those various forms of you know I think I mentioned the substance abuse there. So he's battled a lot in his career and uh, was able to alcohol abuse you know has come back. He had um, his first game post rehab. He he scored a hat trick, so he scored three goals in his first game after coming back from rehab. Um, and it's so interesting you say that because like. Not to shift completely away from that, but there's a lot of players in the ECHL and AHL, and I don't necessarily have stories just like that about the abuse, but um, but there's so many interesting guys that you meet working in pro hockey that come from such varied backgrounds of life, and that's one of the things I really enjoy about working for a team is that you really get a sense 
of who these guys are as people beyond just players. And you get to learn about them and their family. And I was talking with one of our goalies on the 12 hour bus ride back from Rapid City last night. Um, our goalie's name is Corbin Kispersky. And he was telling me about how he, he was cut from like a Michael, not Michael Jordan story on a lower level, but he's in, he made a pro team after he was going to go to college as a regular student. And he, he, he was, you know, counted out from every team he was on. And he eventually kind of convinced his parents as an 18, 19 year old, um, can I have one more shot to play amateur hockey? And he ended up being noticed um, among a group of 32 goalies. He made a high level team um, in a tryout. And now he's playing pro hockey. He's the only one of those 32 goalies that tried out that day to be playing pro hockey right now. So like there's stories like that, that just blow your mind about what would this guy be doing? Would I even have met, you know, all these things that form the resilience of these guys. And that's what I really enjoy about working for the, for the Heartlanders. Well, I don't blame you. You know, yeah, that Bobby Ryan, I, 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 I was just fascinated with all the aspects of, of his uh, upbringing. There was another fella that was playing for the uh, Iowa Stars that came into our radio. I was involved with a radio program in the mornings uh, in Des Moines. And uh, this character was just as noteworthy. Uh, his name was Garrett uh, Burnett. Now, he was uh, uh, a goon for the Iowa Stars. They picked him up as, <laughs> as, as a goon. And apparently that's, that status and that, that name and that need for a, a goon is, is no longer uh, prevalent in hockey, correct? It, it's much less so. What you need to be able to do now, and I think it's made the game better if from a speed and entertainment standpoint, you need to have a guy, our coaches believe here with the, you need to have a few guys that are willing to answer should something happen that is outside the realm of sports. If it's not sportsman like you need to have a few guys that can answer, meaning fight um, or stand up for your skill players. But you don't need to have a, you can't have, you can't roster a guy who only does that because he's a one trick pony. There's no versatility. You need to have guys that can help you win a game and put the puck in the net. Um, so we have a few players on our team that are skilled enough to be able to perform at a high level. Um, I think of Mike Moran and then Reese Smollett, who I mentioned, Adrian Baraldo. These are guys on our team that can score goals, post points, contribute to scoring goals. But then if somebody gets hit um, in a way or, or body checked or Something happens that is that is beyond the realm of, of sportsmanlike conduct, or or a cheap shot, or a cheap shot. Yes, you need to answer. The other team will be required to to answer for their for their sins. <laughs> well, this 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 uh, uh, player Garrett Burnett was his name, and and he was the goon, and and that that's the title that, as you just said, you got to have somebody that can reciprocate. When a teammate got a cheap shot or got checked too hard, or, or you got to have that guy that's just going to come in and knock the hell out of somebody, and that was that was Garrett Burnett. And the and the the story to him was uh, he was in a bar fight, 
and and two or three guys just beat the snot out of him, and and he had a head injury, a brain injury, and that's kind of what curtailed his career. He was just wasn't the same after that. But but it speaks to just the fact that uh, the so-called goon has kind of gone off to the side now and is no longer as prominent as you just explained. But uh, but these guys. And this Garrett Burnett was just a huge guy, and and uh, the fact that it took three guys to to uh, you know to, to beat him up speaks to just how tough he was, and and hockey in general. I mean, even though you don't have a goon, you still these guys got to be big, they got to be tough, and they got to be durable. Correct. That's right. Hartlanders are third in the league in fighting majors this year. Twenty-one fighting majors, actually second. Uh, tied for second in the league. So the Hartlanders are not necessarily... It's funny, when you work for a team that doesn't fight a lot, you think, oh, all these other teams are wasting their time doing it, uh, potentially. But then when you work for a team like the Hartlanders, that is the youngest team in the league, very scrappy, and has fought a lot as a result of that and defended themselves, it makes you realize and give a greater appreciation for the fact that they're doing it because a lot of times because the team is the youngest team in, uh, in the league, you need to be able to stand up for yourself because you're going against players that are sometimes in their fifth and sixth year. And the Heartlanders only have a few of those guys because it's an inaugural team, a first-year team that is it will eventually have those players. But in the first year, like every first-year team in this league, you have a lot of rookies. So it gives an appreciation that such a young group is standing up for themselves for any, any ills or cheap shots delivered against them. Well, and, and let's face it, uh, anybody that goes to a hockey game, you want to see a fight, right? Yeah, if there's a, if, I can legitimately say, if you're a fan, if, there's a, if you score a couple goals, the game is close and exciting, and if there's a fight, that's an entertaining product for a family, for, for, for a fan to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and while that's always been the case, explain, if you could, the... Uh, the fact that currently, and or at least within the last few seasons, there there's the potential uh, for them for the league to kind of tone that down. And and even now, there have been uh, folks that have been arrested if there's been a fight on the ice. Is that correct? Well, not for not for a few years. I don't think in the NHL that's happened. I think the NHL the NHL and NHL players associate the, the, the message has always kind of been the same, which is that it's a part of the game for the players to police each other. What has happened, though, in the age of stats and analytics is that coaches have also recognized that it's, like you said, not as valuable to roster a goon. And if there's teams that have players that are willing to stand up for each other, it's a lot less likely that a fight will happen than if there's five goons on either team, like like we were just talking about. So that's why it's gone down. Is that it's 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 completely driven by driven by analytics. The need to win. It's better to roster players on your team that are you know able to score goals to help you win games rather than always trying to fight fight fight. But it doesn't make any sense to have to, to have a team like that. You don't win. There's a few teams in our league that are like that, and they're out of the playoff race right now, where they might have two or three of those guys because. Eventually, the act gets old. You're a one-trick pony at a certain point. You ultimately have to score goals to win. 
So I don't right. know whether it's been I, I don't know whether it's necessarily been you know demonized or anything like that. It's just driven by the need from coaches realizing of the value of uh, of things uh, the value of things. I think is what the better way to say is. is. Yeah, it makes sense. That makes sense. Listen back to uh, the Des Moines Buccaneers, uh, the United States Hockey League, and and the Heartlanders. And I know you said, and I, and I should have known this myself, as far as amateur status versus professional status. But would that preclude, let's say, your Heartlanders to to play an exhibition game with the Des Moines Buccaneers, or could that happen? I don't think it could ever happen because it's pro versus it's one thing if it's like a charity event and it's kind of just guys skating around in circles, not, you know, nobody, not, not a true game. No, it's, it just couldn't happen that way. Okay. Again, that makes sense. Uh, but, uh, so, so David Fine, voice of the Iowa Heartlanders in the AHL, uh, out of Coralville, which, you know, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of people at Iowa don't realize that that's available and that that is taking place there, let alone this $50 million facility has been built there. I got a buddy of mine, he's a cop in Iowa City, and he's never mentioned it to me. So I'm, uh, I'm going to give him a verbal slap upside the head for, for keeping me in the dark about it. Uh, I think, But I think what you're saying is interesting, too, because – it goes into the, the fact that this is – it's a growing sport in this area. Iowa City and Cor- Iowa City Coralville has never had a junior hockey team, has never had a professional hockey team. So I think part of it is that when you come to a game here, Dave and Steve, you are hooked on being with this – like, you are hooked. It's, if you see an entertaining hockey game live, you want to come back because hockey is the best sport to watch live. There's the biggest difference between if you watch on TV versus you you are in the building live for a big Saturday night game. You come to a Friday or Saturday night game here, you will want to come multiple times with your family and your friends and tell people what you did. So as a result of the game growing here, as the crowds continue to get bigger, because people will come to their first game, maybe sometimes ever. And you might not even know what's going on for the first five minutes of the game. You might just be watching and trying to figure it out. But as you continue to learn and figure it out, you, the game grows on you, and you become you become a fan. And that's what we're that's what we know will happen here. Well, do you think that part of the reason that people are are uh, blasé about it, or or just it's because they're ignorant with what the rules are and and uh and i i gotta admit that i'm i'm better at it now than i ever was but i'm still ignorant with you know uh, uh the blue line or or uh you know just some of the terms and the strategy yeah. i i don't know i don't i don't know necessarily about that i think that there's maybe a certain intimidation is the wrong word, but you know, you want to know what you're going to when you go into it. If you're going to go see a movie, you want to have a general idea of what the movie's about. Right. So maybe that's part of it. I also, I also think that a a decent part of it is the fact that some people are still hesitant during the pandemic to go to a mass, to a mass gathering. I think that that has something to do with it. And that's fair to, that's fair to, 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 to think as well. Um, I think that it's a combination of factors, but I think that ultimately the biggest thing 
is that once more and more people continue to come to their first game, they are going to want to come back because they will be marveled by the brand new arena, the area as a whole, and additionally, the product on the ice, which is very fast and entertaining and skillful. I think those are, that's, that's the, that's the essence of going to a Iowa Harkenders game. You're going to watch a game in a brand new facility in a beautiful area and an entertaining, fast, family-friendly product on the ice. That's, that's it. That's it. You come to a game, you have fun. Hey, I hate to no. cut in here, but we're, we've got a couple minutes left. All right. All right. Thanks, Dave. Uh, David Fine, uh, the voice of the Iowa Heartlanders, you gave uh, a, a website address for the facility. Is that Would it be the same uh, for the Iowa Heartlanders hockey team specifically? And regardless, give, give us uh, the social media uh, abilities for us to catch up with the team and the players specifically, and most importantly, your schedule. Yes. So firstly, the Heartlanders, you can follow them on social media. It's at Go Heartlanders, like you're rooting for them. Go Heartlanders, G-O Heartlanders. That's across every platform, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's Go Heartlanders. And then the schedule, tickets, promotions, what you need to know is on the Iowa Heartlanders website, which is iowaheartlanders.com or iowaheartlanders.com slash tickets if you want to go right to the ticket page. But we suggest that everybody starts at iowaheartlanders.com, and from there you're able to click the schedule, the team roster, and learn more about the players, and then uh, hopefully purchase a few tickets and come to some home games at Extreme Arena here in Coralville, Iowa. Just uh, as I was saying uh, there a little earlier, just a mile, mile and a half from the University of Iowa campus in Iowa City. We're just you know, stones throw right off the interstate, right next to Iowa City. David Fine, voice of the Iowa Heartlanders. We sure appreciate all your time. I know you're coming off a long road trip, so it probably was uh, uh, difficult for you. Probably would rather be napping, but we appreciate your time. And, I, and I, as I we wrap well. this I, up, I slept. I slept on the as we wrap this up, I want you to promise that we'll be able to have you on uh, more than once a week as the season progresses, but because you're fascinating and I enjoy talking to you, how, uh, explain this, how often uh, did, did your travels ever land you in uh, in uh, Canada for any kind of time? Hey, we got 10 seconds, guys. A couple times in Canada. All right. Because you, I, I can tell because the way you use your O's, I can tell you've been in Canada or influenced by Canadians. <laughs> You say yes, out. Very much so. We're out of Canadians time, everybody. Thanks you. for listening.